Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Millennial Catholic. I'm your host, Andrew Miller, along with Father Scott. You are back. I am back. You uh, were gone last week because it was your mother's birthday. This is true, and she got a free key- piece of key lime pie. Where did Where did you go? Pirate's Cove. Ooh. Very luxurious. Nice. So when you walked in today, you said something very interesting. Mm. You said as, as we Christians age, we get younger. Ooh. What do you mean by this? Well, as soon as you become a Christian, you die. I feel pretty much alive right now. Yes, because you are already dead. and You have died in Christ, and now you live with him. Every Christian dies at the very moment of their baptism. Because they die with Christ in their baptism, and then they rise with Christ out of their baptism. So the Christian who you might say, oh, they have died, they've actually merely fallen asleep. Right, because we... So the Christian does not taste death. We, we believe the resurrection of all bodies Correct. will happen eventually. The Book of Wisdom tells us that um, that we uh, who are of God's company do not experience death. We may cease to be on this planet, but we no longer experience death. Our hearts might start beating. Our brain waves may stop waving. But... Death is something far, far greater than the end of our life in this world. What? Okay. So what is the yes. Christian definition of, of death, death then? Good, good. Now we're talking about a topic which I will delight in, which is death. You delight in a lot of weird things. I am a weird person. This is um, true. So how, why do we delight in death? Well, we don't. Death, the author of death is Satan. What really is death at its core? Death at its core, and was the cause of death at its core, is sin. So let's get to what sin is. Sin is separation from God. And any being which chooses to separate itself from God dies. And does not nearly die once, as we often commonly think of death. They die eternally. So let's think of Satan himself. He is eternally dying because he has separated himself from life. And life is God. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Yes. So when one separates oneself from God, one experiences death. Separated, Satan separated himself from God and now experiences death. For those who are brought into communion with God, they experience life. So the person who grows closer over the course of their lives towards God is not dying, but is in fact living. And so the person who ages with Christ with every passing year of their life grows more alive and less dead. But... We as a secular society see yes, death as a permanent thing, right? Yes, they are fools, all of them, especially that Drake person who liked that YOLO phrase. Drake, the great prophet of our modern day, once said unto us, and he had that great song which was very toe-tapping. Um, what was it? Um, it's about that woman he tries to rescue in the cocaine dealership thingamajig. What's that goes? Uh, it just reminded me of the police, the, that band of yesteryear. Anyway, um, Drake once said, and it is one of his uh, mottos, he said, 
a YOLO, which YOLO. means you YOLO. only live once. False, Drake. False. You only, let me see, do you only die once? That is also incorrect because according in to some you, ways correct because in your baptism you do die with christ and then rise with christ so wouldn't you also die in the earthly sense of dying wouldn't that make you dead twice it's merely an illusion mm-hmm. well in a way yes in a way no um the passing through of death is far 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 less serious than separating oneself from god the real death occurs they sometimes call this in the bible the second death or the eternal death yes. is the separation from God. Which was... Which is why the martyrs gladly went to their deaths because they realized this isn't really death. What was real death is if I separated myself from Jesus. We're separated from life itself, which is God. So there are two So types. if you strike a martyr down, they become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. There are two types of martyrdom, though. We do get the Kenobi reference? Yes. Very good. Yes. <laughs> Because he goes off to become a Jedi yes, spirit, yes. where he is stronger in the Force than he was yes. when he was living on Earth. Correct. Or Tatooine. Just or... like the communion of saints. Yes. But here's, here's my question. There are two types of martyrdom. Luke was wise for asking for his intercession in the, ti- in the uh, X-Wing. But go on. There's, there's the red martyrdom, which we all know is where yes. somebody gets yes. murder, murdered. Yes. There's also this thing called white martyrdom. Correct. What is this white martyrdom? Uh, it is a suffering with Christ. It is not to the point of shedding blood, but it is a suffering with him. Truly, I wonder, is there any other option, white or red? Um, just like wine, I would assume no. Well, so so <laughs> I could just see that as the saints are dining together. Would you like the Merlot or the Cabernet Sauvignon? Or would you like the Pinot Noir? Um, I'll take a Riesling, please. Yes. Uh, ooh, very sweet. <laughs> yes. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? Um, so, yes, I think there's a... If you're not going to be a red martyr, I think that you are called to white martyrdom. How, it, would, it would correspond with my robes. How, how, would, how would does one become a martyr of white? Uh, simply, I, I, I think all the other saints who... Um, are either they're either white or red, so you get to choose. Hmm. And no one can escape the cross, right? We all have so, a burden so, to bear. So I think I think everybody's got to be either white or red. We don't have any green martyrs. The what lightsabers a, only come in white or red in the kingdom of God. What would a green martyr look like? What would hmm. green even represent? Ordinary time, obviously, and the and Holy all. Spirit. Um, I thought the Holy Spirit was red because of Pentecost. It can also be green. In the East, he's green because we go through Pentecost, the fire, and then we start wearing green. Yes. Because the Holy Spirit also represents growth, which is why if I were to make a picture of the Holy Spirit, I'd make it vegetative. Interesting. Mm -hmm, Like a tree. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Like a bush that would burn. Mm, That's very good. I hadn't thought of that. But as it burns, it grows in life yeah now now you're understanding life more this is very good well the the movie uh the prince of egypt Mm -hmm. does a very good job at this Mm. during the scene where where moses finds the burning bush as the bush continues to burn it Mm. it regenerates it like Mm -hmm. rejuvenates itself Mm -hmm. it it was a dead bush Mm -hmm. when he got into the into the mouth 
and saw it. Mm-hmm. And then as it continued to talk to Moses, it it grew leaves and branches and mm. was full of life by the time God had spoken word through mm-hmm. this bush. I, you have you've made me think about many things. And the thing that makes me think the most is being in the spirit is like being in the fire. Um, you can either be in the fire or you can be out of the fire. And, um, and, 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 and there's, most people go through life trying outside of the fire. And so most people go through life dying. Only the rare go through life living. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a, a spirit you participate with. So a person who goes through life dying is in Satan. A person who goes through life living is in the Holy Spirit. And so and we see this with the attitude of the person. A person can um, choose to go through life in an unloving, selfish manner. And you can almost see how death has corrupted them, how they've already become... Uh, they have lost their enthusiasm for being. With a person who goes through life living in the spirit is, is happiness is far too cheap a word, goes through life joyful and goes through life sorrowful. Both are in the spirit. But how can you live both at the same time? Beethoven. Explain. Beethoven. Listen to Beethoven and you shall understand. I mean, I listen to a lot of Beethoven. Ah, then listen to him, and you'll see that the the joy and the sorrow are interwoven in the same song. This was also the song or the music of the Anuware in the Cimmerillion by Tolkien. The sorrow was woven in yeah, the joy. Yes, because all the angels were making mm. music. and Sorrow is the appropriate response to death in the world. So what's the difference between sorrow and grief, then? Hmm. Good question. That is a very good question. Grief doesn't necessitate... Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. I would have to ponder that. There's something sweeter about sorrow that the the word grief does not connote. There's nothing sweet about grief. But there's a sweetness to sorrow, which is strange. There's a sweetness to the sorrow of Beethoven... Yes, you can hear the joy even in in the sorrow, in the sad. Yes, because I think that would be in the spirit. We have joyful mysteries. We have sorrowful mysteries. Hmm. And betwixt the two, I think we find our glory. Do we not? Think about it. I would think so. The movie Glory, as you may remember, the Civil War soldiers charging up the hill, mm-hmm. trying to take the battlements, I think, of Vicksburg at the time. And there was something of the weight of glory within that song. And we see this in all the movies which stir the heart. Well, I mean, if you think about... Glory has a way of integrating both. Well, Battle Hymn of the Republic, right? It's a very... (laughs) That's what we It's Yes, it's a very sorrowful song. Yes, isn't it? Yes. Because you can feel sadness in that. Mm -hmm. But even within that sorrow, there's a wholesome joy. Yes. It stirs the soul in a unique way. And I think that's where the glory is. That's where the glory is of Jesus on the cross. Death did not triumph over him, for he did not abandon communion with his father, even when he felt abandoned. Hmm. 
Now, actually, this one might be an interesting distinction. Yes. I wonder, I wonder if the apostles sensed grief over the loss of Jesus or sorrow. And I think it depends on the apostle. I would concur. Go on. You look at Peter. Mm-hmm. He probably felt more grief. I would concur. Than say Thomas. Mm-hmm. How come? Because the very last thing that happened with Peter was he denied him three times. Mm-hmm. So he's he is he is upset that what Jesus spoke came true. Mm-hmm. He is upset that this was the last time he had a chance to do anything, and he fell asleep in the garden with him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of emotion there. There's guilt there too. There's a lot of for for Peter. There's a lot of guilt, so it's a lot of, I will never get this chance to say goodbye, whatever, name it. Mm -hmm. You look at Thomas, and we all think of him as a doubter, but I think there is sorrowfulness in his doubt, Mm. because he wants to believe. Mm -hmm. He does. Show me the hands. He's kind of, he, I don't want to put this. Yeah, he want you know he wants receipts. He wants he wants to be able to verify, verify, and be joyful that it is true. He mm. wants to be happy that it's mm. true. Mm-hmm. It's easier for somebody in grief to believe something is true because that's what you want. You want that to be true. Peter wants him to come mm. back because then he can apologize to him. He can he can you know go on the beach and say. I believe I love you three times and and but Thomas with the verification is saying I am sad that he is gone but I still have joyful hope that he has returned hmm. and I want to I don't want grief to cloud my judgment hmm. That, that's true. I think I think because uh, Thomas is an intellectual, I, it just strikes me as an intellectual guy. Yes. Um, I think you make a good point there. I'm, I'm, you're making me think of grief itself, and I think grief um, would would a person in grief would they be uh, allowing themselves to hope? Would a person who is grieving allow themselves to hope? I don't know. Right. I think grief may be something a person passes through until hope can marinate enough to transform grief into sorrow. I think grief may be an initial response to death, which is just this overwhelming, uh, Emily Bronte once described it as the hour of lead, where you just feel the awesome weight of death in the world. And it's just crushing. And... But it's, it's not a place where the, the human person stays. They can't stay there. Uh, it's, it's, it's paralyzing. And so out of that grief, there mm-hmm. comes, I think, the, unless that hope is marinated, unless that grief is marinated by some hope and some encounter of the spirit, that grief does not have the opportunity to be transmuted into... Um, into sorrow. I, I have, I, I'm now becoming more convinced that sorrow 
is a sanctified form of grief. My, well, the other reason is because you think sorrow, you're more, A, you're in the hope. Mm-hmm. But it's not emotionally driven as much as Correct. grief is. Right? See, I, the c- contrast with Peter, I would use Mary. I don't think Mary, this is going to sound a little scandalous to people. I don't think Mary experienced grief as much as she experienced sorrow. We call her Our Lady of Sorrows. Yes. Um, She was sorrowful. Her heart was pierced. But I don't think Mary lost hope. I don't think the grief was able, I mean, she had seven swords, right, stabbed in her heart for the seven sorrows of Mary. She was hurt to her core. Which was projected during the... But I don't think Mary ever lost faith. She can't. I don't think, yeah, because how how would somebody who is visited by the, A, sinless, but visited by Gabriel, being told, guess what, you're having the, uh, Mm -hmm. you're having the child of God. Going in, Joseph having a dream of Herod coming Mm -hmm. to kill all the children, going into Egypt, coming out of Egypt, going to the temple to present Jesus, having... I can't think of his name right now. One of the servants there say, I have truly mm-hmm. seen the face of God. My my journey is done. And mm-hmm. telling her you will have a sword that Simeon. will Simeon. Simeon that will have a sword pierce your like all of these things have been said to her, have come true. I don't there I, I think she would absolutely believe that he will rise, as he says, mm-hmm. because all of these other things have happened. I also see this. I think I think you're right about that. Um, I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. Um, Jesus told his apostles many things as well, but I. But I've, Mary has grace. Yeah, she's full of it. Yes. <laughs> that was kind of a funny way to put oh, that's it. Funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she has she has this grace about. We are her. full of something else, but Mary is full, full of, grace. of grace. Yes, right. She has grace, and I don't think people really understand what that means mm-hmm. right it's hard to understand i don't think i totally don't understand it but mm-hmm. it's it's because of that grace that she is able to listen and understand and not be emotional mm. in certain ways right because mm-hmm. grief is a very emotional thing yes was she, yes was she sad watching her son on the road mm-hmm to the hill. Golgotha. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying she didn't have emotions. I'm saying she probably gre- like she probably grieved in the moment. But that grief quickly turned to sorrow because everything because of her grace, the grace that was given to her. Yeah, I think I think and I see this with people who are who are suffering, um especially the loss of a loved one is they go through t- tremendous grief. And uh, as a priest, when you're with the person and they're going through the grief, you're, you're, you have to wait and you have to stay with the person and you have to honor their cross. You can't offer uh, pithy solutions to their massive pain. Uh, in fact, they resent that and they should. You should go watch um, a funny movie. You should go read a book. Yes. You should go. Yes. And then you despise that kind of advice and, and are filled with a righteous hatred. But, but what happens is they go through the grief and then there's some silence. And you gotta, it's, it's very interesting. Eventually the Holy Spirit has to show up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, the grieving person 
get some it's an energy from somewhere else. Uh, they don't end in despair. They they come out of it with some hope. Um, and I see this all the time with people who are grieving. You kind of have to wait. And you got to wait until that holy... It's like that burning bush. It's, right. um And I think this is the case with Mary. It's with her, the fire never went out. Or she never got out of the spirit. She went through sorrow in the spirit. Uh, her heart was being pierced, but her heart never lost its fire. The fire of her heart never went out. And so as she's being pierced, the Holy Spirit is still there burning in her heart. And the the hard part is with the grief, there comes anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate, no, I'm not going to go Yoda. Right? But, <laughs> but the anger then, uh, there, there's, this, there's this getting out of the spirit. Just because the weight of the grief is overwhelming. Um, and until that that spirit returns, the person doesn't have the wind in their sails to continue navigating in life. There's just, as I think Emily Bronte puts it so well, the hour of lead, it just weighs upon the person. And so the key is to take your lead and your lead. Yes. And you take it into the fire until it melts. And that's the, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. Um, because everything in you is, 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 it's, it's this turning back towards God in the midst of all of this. Um, uh, I've seen it in holy people um, when when they've gone through great grief, even if someone has killed mm-hmm. a loved one, uh, they're able to forgive the the killer um, because they take that that anguish uh, and that grief uh, to God and the Holy Spirit. He he, and that 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 fire of the Holy Spirit purifies that grief into sorrow. 